Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. Welcome to the Huskies Hockey Podcast. This is Weldy sitting with Andrew, uh, recapping a lot of uh, business to kind of attend to here uh, for this weekend as we end the unofficial first half of the season, uh, both on the men's and the women's side. Uh, a lot to talk about, both good and bad, um, I, I think, for for uh, mostly the men, uh, a lot of a lot of good for the women, but we'll get to that in the uh, latter half of the show. We'll lead off with the men here. Uh, the men uh, end up winning the first game uh, by a score of four to one um, in Omaha in the NCHC Riviera, uh, and then uh, tie two to two in the second game. They drop the shootout uh, in you know typical shootout fashion, uh, but you know. Judging by Omaha's actual record in overtimes, you know, I was actually pretty uh, happy that the fact that we were able to salvage a tie and, and actually complete that uh, five minutes, especially with how that game uh, definitely went. But I suppose uh, we should start with uh, game one Friday. Now, I uh, watched uh, most of the replay on the Friday game. I had a company event. So I'm going to actually uh, let Andrew kind of take the lead on it, and I'll give you what my thoughts were about the game as well. I'll kind of chime in but um, for, from what I saw. But um, as far as the game as a whole uh, on, on Friday, again, 4-1 to win. Kupka with the empty netter. Um, uh, there we had uh, Werner Mietnin, uh, the, the Omega pops in a power play goal. Rosborough uh, crashes the net. Um, well, after Barrett Hall crashed the net, uh, Anhorn gets a, gets one as well. Overall, your your thoughts on Friday's game? It's a good win. It was it was a bit of a weird game. I mean, you had three goals total that uh, were scored uh, on a delayed penalty. So the the Randall goal for uh, Omaha, and then the uh, that Hall goal or well, Rosborough. Uh, It would have gone in had he not tapped it in as well. But that goal, which Hall had had uh, um, forced the penalty, um, uh, which led to that goal. And then the Anhorn goal in the third period, that was on a delayed penalty of the major for for Omaha. But none of those three ensuing power plays, including that major, led to any further goals, which is weird. I definitely we'll talk about this power play because it's not good it's it's not good it's it's it, i mean if if we still had bob it, it, it's definitely accused the uh not great bob incredibly frustrating to watch and i i don't get the sentiment one of the things that i don't understand in sports two things i don't understand in sports just two everything else i get two things i don't understand one why is it in football? It's always way easier to score in late in the game. I don't get it. I don't get why defense decide to just be dumb for that two minutes. It's like the only part of the sport where it's easier to score when you know what the opponent is trying to do. Doesn't make any sense to me. 
And then two, I don't get the mentality in hockey of it's a five minute major. So I can let my foot off the gas because I have five minutes to try to score. It should be the exact opposite. You have the ability to score more on a five minute major. So you should try harder. Your goal should be to pot two in at least uh, in, in, in a five minute major and everything was just lackadaisical and absolutely atrocious on this power play. Something has to change because I mean, I know we got, you know, Mietten and, um, uh, Werner's goal was on the power play, but I mean, that was off the face off and it was like eight seconds in. It, it just was a great of, start to the power play. For eight the second, weekend, but. Yeah. Yeah. But as far as, you know, it, Aside from that, which was more of a lucky bounce than anything, like it, we just had zero momentum and it was just everything we tried to do just looked absolutely terrible. Yeah, that was certainly not not great. I mean, five on five, I, th- I thought St. Cloud was was clearly the better team. Um, Friday, I wasn't particularly uh, impressed with Omaha. As I've mentioned before, I typically yep. never am all that. You're typically all not. Impressed. Yeah, I think you, so. I mean, a win and a tie. I, I'm really not going to complain, especially on the road. I, I don't, I, I feel like you did have a chance to to sweep them this weekend. Um, so it is a little, slightly disappointing, but um, four to one win. I think that they could have, especially if they were to convert on some more power play opportunities, that game could have been closer to a route. And it was a little discouraging that they couldn't pull away um, when they, I thought, like I said, Clearly, we're the, the mm-hmm. more skilled team that that game. Um, but yeah, I mean, they did have a bit of adversity there. I thought the, they started the game quite well, um, outplaying them for the first 10 minutes or so. Um, but then it's Omaha that gets that first goal with Randall, uh, as I mentioned, with the delayed penalty to Anhorn to boot. Um, so, well, and then that was also a, a, a situation where we have three different players that were able to clear the puck and they failed to Anhort had a chance. Ludke had a chance, which we haven't really talked about Ludke a lot this year. And I think maybe we should kind of bring it up that, you know, as, as much as Anhorn has been, it was frustrating at the start of the season and I've come around to him a little bit more than I think you he's have. Been, he's been improving. Play. Yeah. I, um, I think Ludke has been, borderline subpar i don't think he's been very good um I, I like i'm at the point where you know i would probably trust a healthy reiners over a loot key right now um or or you know get ewart some time you know something along those lines obviously loot key is gonna play um and and whatnot but it's been a little bit frustrating that i i just expected maybe a little bit more out of him, and it hasn't hasn't come this season and then Molinar also had a chance, um, and that Molinar's turnover was the last one that ended up, you know, eventually shepherding the puck over to Randall to, 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 to beat Bassey. Yeah, I'm a frustrating sequence there. Um, not sure if I would. Mm-hmm. I'm a little surprised with uh, with your take on on Litke. We got to be really careful this mm-hmm. this weekend because it <laughs> Omaha had a couple of Lutkies themselves. So we're talking about Josh here. Uh, I, I I don't know. I, I like, I, I've been generally impressed with what like he's done, been doing this year. Um, just for my, my, my recollection, which obviously is not the most reliable, but um, I don't remember me sort of yelling at the TV about something he did this year, but 
I mean, I, I don't think he's, you know, ever going to be a star player or anything like that, but I think he's been fairly solid, but willing to disagree. Uh, I think that my opinion about Peart isn't widely held. So we can agree to disagree on both of those. If you'd like, <laughs> probably like Peart a little bit more than I do. And I probably like Lukey more than you do, which is fair. I don't, I don't even say that. I would like Peart more than you do. I just, I don't know. It's, I, I appreciate Peart's upside a lot more. I, I guess, but he does have like a lot of butt clenching moments that really scare me. Here we are again, a four to one win. And we're, yeah. we're picking on the players that we <laughs> thought played the, the worst. Uh, we are kind of spoiled here, uh, but uh, yeah, the, as we mentioned, the power play uh, failed to really put Omaha away. Uh, now, again, I, I, I liked, I thought Bassey played pretty well. I mean, we're going to transition here into the Saturday game eventually, but because the game was fairly tight, uh, he had to make some key saves there. Uh, and as it, as it turns out, it, at least according to the KBSC guys, it was a, a tweak of an injury uh, that, that forced uh, Posh to play on Saturday. Uh, oh, was it? I did not hear that. According to the KBSC guys, um, I, I was all sort of okay. racking my brains as far as like why why would you suddenly give posh his first start here and yeah it's a, it weird, a weird time even for me who's been calling for right. some kind of a rotation or just uh, but this i thought was a weird time to do it so a tweak of an injury i, I don't know sense. what kind of injury that was but and so not trying to put two and two together here but like because the game was you know closer on friday and it required him to be sort of in the game maybe he was selling out to an extent where he put himself in harm's way. I'm not sure, but I don't think those two are necessarily related. They don't need to be. But as we're going to get into the Saturday game, we can talk about Posh. Um, how did you think that Bassey played on Friday? I thought he had some good saves. I thought he played excellent. Yeah, I, I thought, yeah, like you said, he, for how I thought St. Cloud really kind of controlled the game and played better than Omaha, like, yeah, we did let them hang around. We did let them get a couple more chances than we probably should have. But Bassey, you know, really stuck to it and didn't, I thought, did really well. Um, I wanted to kind of go back. This is uh, Saul Quist did return. Um, and I think, granted, I think it was Saturday he had that breakaway. Um, but um, I, I thought, you know, in his return, I thought he looked pretty good. Um, kind of get back in into the swing of things. Um, I heard, you know, really a lot of the young guys. I was I was really impressed with. I thought Ryman made excellent plays all weekend. I thought Gross made some good plays as well. Um, I felt their names kind of all over, or I heard their names pretty much all over the uh, broadcast both nights. Just 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 always making plays, always around the puck. So I've been impressed with them. Rosborough, um, you know, I know he got credit for that, uh, for his first goal on the Barrett Hall um, getting tripped and then going into the net, which, you know, I was going through the, uh, as I was looking at it, I was, I was happy that they called that a goal, judging by the rule book. Um, Because if you look at the rule book, when it comes to like the net dislodgement and you can, you know, I know some Omaha fans were upset because, the net was off or anything along those lines, but, you know, judging by, you know, net slashment. And I think we had another situation like this 
last year or two years ago or something along those lines where it was something very similar where the net kind of popped off, but it was would have been an easy goal, you know, if the pegs were down. Um, and it wasn't the SESU person uh, kind of committing the foul. Rule 26.2, if you're interested. But um, so, um, yeah, other, other than that, you know, I thought Rosborough was okay um, all, all weekend. I know he got a lot of praise on Twitter. Yeah, I, I thought he was okay um, uh, overall. I could kind of take or leave his performance, but. Happy, obviously, that he got uh, he got that goal. Yeah, and obviously setting that play up, we've mentioned it with Barrett Hall. I thought he had his best weekend in a while. I mean, he had sort of been quiet the last few yep. weeks, uh, month or so, let's say. But especially on Friday, um, my thought was dynamic that that play where he's coming into the net, I believe it was like a two-on-one situation or two-on-two, maybe. I kind of wanted him to pass in real time, but to see him then crash the net, draw the penalty, and then kind of create that goal because, you know, you can't say that he interfered with the goalie if the tripping call is what forced him to crash into Latkozy. I almost was hoping that, because I was thinking, I mean, my fear whenever they go to these reviews is that they're finding some way to to take the goal off um, scoreboard. And I'm thinking, I almost didn't want Rosborough to touch it because if they can say that the, the goal was tapped in after the net had been dislodged, whereas if he hadn't touched it and the puck was just getting it was just going to carry and cross the line by its own momentum that that could have been some sort of uh, ticky tack way that they could have uh, uh, waved off that goal. But uh, in either way, I mean, that's, that's yeah, I'm glad to see Rosberg finally get his first goal, but that was really all Hall's doing uh, on that play. And yeah, yeah, I thought he was, um, he was good this weekend and it's nice to see, you know, had a really nice start during that month of October, which is such a struggle. He was one of the few bright spots. And, uh, but since November started, let's say he's kind of been a little bit more quiet, which, you know, to be expected out of a, out of a freshman. Um, and so, but nice to see him pick it up and not just the two points that he had on Friday, but just the, uh, presence he had, he was a, a player that stood out whenever he had the puck on this weekend. So it was nice to see him, uh, step up and, and get him reacclimated to the score sheet and, and all that good good stuff so that was his uh first goal since the friday game against at western michigan okay or his first point i should say since the friday game at Western michigan Uh, so yeah a few weekends there so So, yeah i mean it's like i said the the big thing for me was power play ineptitude um and uh if that was clicking this would have been more of a laugher um but Mm -hmm. i six to one versus four to one Again, I'm not going to be uh, too upset about the difference there. Um, road routes, especially in Omaha, are fun. And, I will say that. I mean, they used to have a couple. They used to have like one of these a year. I kind of laugh out laughers in, in Omaha. Uh, I wouldn't classify this this one as a laugher, but I did think that they played very well and, and they were clearly the better team um, on that on that Friday night. Um, and. Uh... Shout out to the penalty kill um, as well. Having a really solid night too. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So Posh gets to start. Uh, Twitter was a buzz with what the heck um, is going on. I thought it was kind of a weird time uh, to have that, but therefore um, it did. I thought Posh played. I, I thought he played well. 
um uh, considering his first um i i i considering his first start i don't really think the team played very well um from what i saw i i felt like this was there was quite a few stretches where omaha really dominated play and really forced the play um for an extended period of time uh especially with um I think it was Mueller's goal. It was right after a power play expired, but I think they still, this was the goal to make it two to one Omaha. I I think they still had plenty of, I mean, I think it was like what a minute after, I mean, it was, it was just sustained pressure the whole time and chance after chance after chance. Um, But there were a couple of instances where it felt like just Omaha was a step ahead and, you know, with, the amount of injuries they were down three forwards uh that you know just to kind of see it you'll have these eggs you'll lay them and i understand that but it was just kind of a bummer that this is the last one to end the season on and again even that it's still a two to two tie in in the in the grand scheme of things so it's so it's still a good weekend um overall down in omaha in my opinion. yeah mentioning that second period the goal by Mueller, and then I think it was maybe 15 minutes into the period that Sankala got their first shot of the period. Um, yeah. And to get out of that period still tied after the Kupka goal to tie it up, uh, I thought was was really fortunate based on how well Omaha was, was pressuring. Um, first goal of the game there, very nice play. Um, Ashan with the goal, uh, I think. He looked like Kevin Fitzgerald down there, down low. Was was able to just deke and 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 shoot it like that. I was like, who is that? Again, a young player really stepping good, up like good that. setup by Gross too. I thought um, that who's yeah. continuing to impress me. You mentioned him in the Friday recap. Uh, I thought he was again. He's a fun player to watch. He, I, I like how he has a good presence in terms of the faceoff circle, a good playmaking ability. And kind of making something out of nothing here. And this one ended up being challenged by Omaha, which I thought was fairly stupid challenge because based on the on the camera yeah. angle, they couldn't tell on the keep based on the being on the camera's near side. Um, there's no way to tell unless they have some other opposite angle, which based on Omaha's production value. Um, I mean, I, I will give them the credit. I don't know if you noticed, I didn't see one uh, end of penalty camera shot. No, they, they did get rid of the, uh, the penalty. Camera. But the, I think, I think the one, I mean, the bad uh, result of that challenge. Did you notice this? Because I thought the last two periods in particular, the camera went to like, they moved the camera up to Kansas it was so far out. I couldn't even see the puck. <laughs> and I'm wondering if they said, Hey, you got to zoom back out so we can maybe see the, the onside offside kind of deal. Like it can't be too zoomed in. Cause I thought it was pretty tough to watch the last couple of periods and the contrast all weekend. The contrast was off. I was mentioning this last year. The con- Omaha's contrast is always it's, pretty it's not good. Um, so that was a little frustrating and, it's just hard. You can't really like, I'm just for goal for like Saturday, the goals. I was just kind of basing it on the reactions of the players. Cause you can't really see, I couldn't at least really see the puck actually go in the net. It's kind of frustrating. And yeah, as you mentioned, so you had posh playing for St. Cloud 
which was a surprise to us. And, and as you're mentioning, a lot of the fans on, on, on the internet, um, but uh, Omaha was a bit shorthanded as well. Um, that Glenn got injured in the Friday game. And then this Matt Miller, I'm not sure if that was an injury or if he was scratched. He's one of those guys similar to Randall Miller, I think had a 25 point year last year. He was off to a real slow start. So I'm not sure if that was injury or uh, performance based his, his absence on Saturday, but you know, those are some decent players for them. And, you know, I'll say about Omaha, as far as I, I think that top line's decent, you know, that, that Mueller played a decent game. Uh, Randall obviously can, you know, has a nose for the net as we've seen. And that Lutke, not Lutke, Lutke, uh, the uh, draftee uh, from, I think the Coyotes. Um, he's like I said, he seems to be a decent prospect as well. So, but uh, aside from that top line, I don't really see a ton of depth there. And even with, I, I was, I was listening to their broadcasters. I, I, I did KBSC on Saturday and I listened to their broadcasters, the Omaha broadcasters on Friday. They were even surprised at a couple of their power plays with the personnel uh, that they were throwing out there. This roll wagon seems more like a role player, Ray Fust, who that's like a, that sounds like a character in uh, Lonesome Dove or something. It's like a real like frontier <laughs> 1800s name, not exactly an, a hockey name. It's, uh, it sounds it, it sounds like, you know, they're on the Ponderosa, right. you know, with the Cartwright boys and Bonanza. Right. Yeah. That reference landed on two people. One of them is my wife. Well, that's all that, that's all that matters. Maybe whiskey. What should I go with? Uh, Deadwood. Let's go with Deadwood. Uh, Rewind, rewind the tape. Deadwood's too, too old. Uh, Yellowstone. Uh, That's, that's the, that's the hot current Western. So there we go. Yep. Yellowstone. yeah, so I was even sort of, it seemed like they were baffled by some of their personnel in the power play, and I, I was too. I didn't seem all that effective uh, with the guys they were running out there. Um, I I dare anybody else to find a sports podcast that'll just throw out a Bonanza <laughs> reference. <laughs> for better or for worse. In fairness, Lonesome Dove is a little bit more updated than Bonanza. But Lonesome Dove oh, did not spawn true. a chain of buffet restaurants. So <laughs> that's right. Rest in peace, by the way, since that is one no of St. Clouds. Saint yeah. Cloud. One of St. Cloud's best. One of the St. Cloud staples. Yeah. God, I have I had a coworker. She just loves Bonanza. And she I think she went like four or five times after, you know, in the last month that they said that they were closing. Uh, I remember I had a, I had a so job that I got like employee of the month for my my gift was a, a Bonanza <laughs> gift certificate. I never used it. Uh, it oh, went to waste. If you get the salad it to waste. Was it that or was it? And now you could never go. Was again. it that or was it Old Country Buffet that had the uh, the guy that would uh, shave the ham in front of you? You know, like, or the turkey, you know, the, his like one job would be to carve. Nah, that him. was, that was, the, yeah, that, was that was OCB. Yep. That was, that was the old. Good. Bonanza I'm sure had its own, its own gimmick um, that I'm forgetting at this point, but good stuff. Uh, <laughs> oh, where were we? Uh, oh yeah. Back to the, uh, back Ray to the Foss. Omaha story. <laughs> so anyway, the infamous fish story. So uh, yeah, I mean both teams kind of playing without some key players on Saturday. Um I agree that um Posh looked good. Uh I think that second goal, um the the Mueller goal. So Caleb Tyson Tyson, I think it's Tyson. I think I got a an, an official Tyson. pronunciation there from the KBSC guys. 
uh, was worked on that on that play, uh, uh, and Mueller was able to sort of dance around him. I think Posh would want that one back too. I think he was a little too deep in the net to, for him being beat near side. There was a little, I don't know, right. less than ideal. Also, it's, I mean, you know, credit goes also yeah. to Mueller. Um, with, and with his, yeah, it was a, it was a great a opportunity. It, it, it was, it was a great job at the same time. I, I I guess I just don't understand why at that angle, like why going down is just what you do as goaltenders. Um, it's just like, it's just hold on to it, wait till the goalie to go down and then just shoot it high. It's it. And that's the, I know, um, I, I know I kind of sound like Dave Starman cause he kind of rants about this too. Trust me. And, you do yeah. not sound like Dave Starman, <laughs> but continue. <laughs> okay. Um, because uh, he also talks about when you know when goaltenders hug the post versus being square to the shooter, but it, so it's kind of in the same line. Um, but but again, I mean, he didn't have a lot of room. He popped it. Um, what was he doing? Was he was he, he hugging the post or was he square? I, I haven't been to Starman's goalie camp, so I'm not sure what <laughs> what the uh, what the correct uh, technique would be there. I don't, uh, yeah, well what they're teaching is to hug the post. Um, like what, like the main, like kind of put your, fit your shoulder sort of in the corner of the post. Like, yeah, like, 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 like still like face straight, but like just be right next to the post. Um, so you can still, you know, kind of see the action and whatnot, but that allows it for bank plays to be able to kind of sneak in. So that's what, that's what Starman is against. He wants you to be like, you try, you know, just be square to the shooter um, and then trust that your defense is, is going to be able to handle any type of pass going across um, because that's a low percentage pass in his eye. Uh, the Starman, the- I think I, at least that's what I believe. And then he'll tweet about uh, rush hour rates in Long Island. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Starman's Twitter feed is weird at times. It, he really gets into how much he hates uh, New York City transit pricing, but uh, you know, to each their own, I guess. I still don't know how he was able to snag Fred McGriff for his goalie camp um, promo. This is the instructional video that gets results. Um, but that's another story <laughs> in and of itself. But uh, yeah, so I'm saying you're you're playing uh, with your, you know, you're already shorthanded a little bit. You know, with Reiner's out, and uh, and you got your backup goaltender in. You know, for you to get a two to two tie on the road. I mean, I'm gonna take that. And they did not play their best best game. I thought Omaha probably slightly outplayed them that game, especially that second yeah. period through the entire period. There, I would say even, I would say even more than out slightly. That's fair. I, w- I would say we got, we got really really handled yeah see maybe I, not really somewhere handled. in between like, those we, we two poles yeah. somewhere in between but yeah and to, to cap out oh well i did want to before we do do any sort of first half recap uh still on uh i love the shootouts man <laughs> shootouts fun um who do you got for a power so, you're, you're not even you're not even going to answer that what? Yeah, shootouts? you're all in favor of the shootouts yeah. after the Michigan shootout. 
Now, how, how is your opinion changed at all after this uh, display of a shootout? Um, Do you still think there should be should like there be paralyzed waiting assigned to shootout victories or losses and just in general as your opinion? Because you seem to really shift there after the Michigan shootout win. You're like, let's let's get on board here. Sure. Yeah. Yes. I yes I do. I I still think even though it didn't go our way and even though it wasn't as exciting or dramatic or anything along those lines, yeah, I I still feel like it, it should be worth something, maybe a little bit more. But conference point. I am only going to conference temper, points not enough. I'm only going to temper at the the fact that I mean, in this instance, yeah, there was a little bit extra with the conference point, but I don't. I, I feel like have it means something. Yeah, a little bit more. If the if hockey's still going that way, which it is, and we saw the fans so, really really got into but, it too during Omaha I, after that shootout win. I yeah, and and I'm going to, but I'm always going to bring myself up to what this actually means, which is really a tie, like actual capital T tie, not OT. Like I guess what I'm asking is whatnot. Would would like I I don't care. It's an SL SOL. Oh, I'm SOL on a lot of things. Um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll say this, like, would the game have been any more or less satisfying had it just ended at two to two and they didn't play a shootout? Oh, um, I think it would be about the same. I mean, maybe a little bit less satisfying if we would have won and more satisfying or, you know what I mean? Like, it, I, Probably it's dependent on the shootout. I like, I, like I said, like I, I don't like this toe half in the water, half out. So like my goal, my end happy zone would be if this was just a tie and then we're done. But if we're going to have be into the shootout land, let's dive into shootout land and not be this like, well, we got to appease the other people as well. And we have to make sure everybody's kind of happy. So therefore it's, it's worth a little bit more, but not worth everything because hockey has to be like that, I guess. So that's, that's where I'm like at this point, it's just like, yeah, let's just dive into a shootout and just, or not, (laughs) but we're definitely not, we're not going to get rid of shootouts anytime soon. So just, it's always a fun topic. Yep. Just want to check in on, yeah. on your your evolving <laughs> just, thoughts. Just, just periodically. Yeah. Um, so we got uh, a season, so. uh, first half of a season in the books. Pow. pow. Let's, let's do a pow. Y- you go first. Pow. Or go Huskies Woo can okay. go first. Or go I, Huskies I don't really, I haven't really thought about it much, actually. I haven't really thought about a pow. So, okay, I'll stall a little bit. Go Huskies Woo. Um, says, um, um, I think that's a testament to how, uh, Brent put the squad together. It's difficult to pick a pow. Um, guy scores on Friday, didn't score on Saturday. Goalies were flipped. Kuka, um, only, uh, both nights score and it was an empty goal, uh, torn between Rosie and Kupka. And he eventually picked Kupka as, uh, his pow. Uh, Grant's goal on Saturday was sick. Um, uh, Lucky really seemed to struggle on Friday. 
Um, Posh looked good. I didn't mind him playing. Um, I think Brett wants him to play soon and knows that we can't drop a Bemidji State game coming up. Um, so after we won on Friday, thought he could get him in. So I don't know if... So like now knowing now that it might be an injury tweak, I wonder if his... If it is an injury tweak, you know, I wonder if his opinion maybe changes a little bit with that. Also, the power play is just lackluster. I kind of hate it. Um, but he also said, similarly, there's 7-0-1 in conference play, just off a four-point weekend on the road, um, and there's lots of room for improvement. So it's a really good sign of where we're at right now. So so he went with Kupka um, as his pal. Um, and I, I do agree with him in the fact that, yeah, like trying to pick one, um, is incredibly difficult. Uh, but I think I'm going to go more around just all around play and who really has impressed me, um, in, in, in both games. And I'm going to go with gross and it, you know, he had the uh, assist on, on, on Saturday, um uh for for grants again grants beautiful goal but i th- i just thought in all situations every time gross was on the puck he was like it was almost like a pit bull out there just kind of menacing and and i thought he made some incredible plays i'm really excited to see kind of him continue to uh to grow throughout his uh huskies career that's a good pick it both of those picks are good I would be tempted to go with either one of them, but I'm going to go different just to be different. Should mention you contrarian. I hate to bring this up as far as we're talking about the player of the weekend, but probably the worst weekend for VD. He was fairly quiet. I thought all weekend, um, yeah. which is a little distressing, even like on the power play. It didn't even seem like they were even setting him up for the Mietin in play, the alpha play. Um, it, <laughs> It didn't even seem like they were setting up anything on the power play. (laughs) It didn't look like it had any, I would, I would prefer setting up for that play. If like, at least it was some kind of a plan, even though I've talked about how much I've hated just that plan. But I think that's where Omaha's aggressiveness kind of really came to the forefront because I've, you know, throughout the season, you know, I said kind of the big Achilles heel for this team is when you put pressure on them, they tend to panic or they, you know, they can cause some turnovers and whatnot. And I think that at least on the penalty kill, Omaha was really able to do that. And St. Cloud was just never really able to get set up. So I, I'll go out there. I mean, I think those, the two that you mentioned there have been mentioned are probably the two best selections. I mean, Hall, I thought was really good on Fridays, fairly quiet on Saturday, zero shots on goal on Saturday. So I'm not sure if I can either give it to him. The goalie split time this weekend. It kind of washes each other out there. I've I thought I've been thinking this the last couple of weekends that they've played. Um, and sure, I'll go with it. I've actually been and you, this should hold some water because of uh, how much I was criticizing him earlier in the year. But I've really um, been impressed with the development here of Warren Clark. And I thought he had a solid weekend this weekend for the Huskies. He's not a guy that at least at this point in his career is going to put up a ton of points. He did have an assist uh, in the Saturday game, but he's been steady uh, on the back end. And especially with like the injury to Reiners, 
Um, you know, his role is at this point, like at coming into the year, we're thinking maybe he's going to be a one game a weekend at best player. Then after the first few weekends saying maybe he should be a zero game a weekend player. <laughs> he's solidly, I think, earned a spot for being a two, two game a weekend player. So, yeah, he's. I thought this was his most complete week. So, yeah, I'm going to go with him just to be different, just to spread the love, because this is one of those weekends that there is no obvious candidate. So I'm going to I'm going to throw some love to Warren Clark, who I've, like I said, the last month, month and a half, really since the November uh, started and the team kind of started to turn itself around. I think fortunes of, of Clark have improved at, you know, sort of during the same time. So I'm going to throw some love out to Warren Clark with that at a, a very nice weekend. I don't, uh, I don't hate that pick and yeah, he has, uh, he has improved. And again, we have to remember that he technically jumped right. a level, um, uh, going up, didn't uh, play at all in the USHL. So it's a, it's a big jump. And I think he's adjusted and learned quite a bit. And, uh, that's only going to, um, improve as, as we get to kind of this, um, big stretch here, um, you know, come January. So, um, first half overall thoughts again, seven Oh and one in conference play, um, you know, lackluster, uh, non-conference it's, it makes me wor- worried as we're sitting at what 14th right now in the pairwise, yep. um, you know, we're on the uncomfortable side of the bubble, as I like to say. Um, so it's. Yeah, a little bit, a uh, little bit risky. We got uh, the series against Bemidji State, the home and home, which we'll uh, go ahead and uh, preview in a couple of weeks. But um, overall, thoughts on this team, and uh, you know, as uh, you know, where we picked our expectations going into the season. How do you think everything is fair? Well, it's uh, it's been a roller coaster because <laughs> I, you had them second, right? And and I had him first, mm-hmm. and boy was I disowning that first place um, prediction right around October twenty sixth, let's say. Um, but here we are, first place uh, at the end of the first half here. I know it's not the first half of the NCHC schedule. It's different when we're going over the women's recap. That is like literally the first half. You've played half the conference games. You played more than half of your games if you include your Don Conference, whereas the Huskies, after the Bemidji series, that will be the official halfway point of their schedule. But still, they got 16 games of league play coming up. You've only played eight games of league play so far. But, you know, 22 out of 24 possible points in conference. Um, even if I thought this team was going to be this uh, unbeatable force and they they took care of business in October as we thought that they would, uh, it's hard to have topped 22 out of 24 points. Um, and you, you did have a, a chance there to, to do the clean sweep if you were able to finish the, uh, the deal there yeah. on Saturday night. But, um, so it's just, yeah, I was admitting after non-conference, at least after October was done that yeah, this is going to be a rebuilding year. And, uh, let's just hope to see some improvement and we're kind of looking at players and just seeing their development and certainly wasn't giving up on the year, but this just did not seem to be lining up uh, even really close to where we were expecting, um, but they have definitely righted the ship. Um, it's interesting too, to see the personnel um, changes, you know, biggest 
question mark we had coming into the year was the center position. And we've kind of seen how that positional battle has played out. And again, not exactly how I expected it to play out. Yeah, exactly. Can I sure. can I just jump in one second? Yep. Because I had a conversation on uh, on Twitter and I want to get your thoughts on it because I had I I'll, I'll just come out and say it. Do you know how many points Adam Ingram has? Yeah, he's got oh, I, Don't look. I I was like, just looking at it, so yeah, he's got he's got 12. Oh, okay. I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago that I was surprised um, at how many he had at that point. Is yeah, okay, I, and that's what I was going to say. Yeah, it, it is that, and uh, was just kind of that aspect when I was thinking of people who are, you know, for the segment, who's underperforming. Obviously, Okabe, right. number one on the list. Um, Okabe has not been um, able to find the back of the net since the first uh, series. And, you know, I think has, what, a two percent shooting percentage and i i thought he actually played fairly well had some chances um like so he's kind of always around the puck just really snake bitten and um not able to 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 get it but then i thought of ingram because i was like god I, I just feel like he hasn't really stood out um i felt like a lot more of my attention has gone like to barrett hall um since there's so much on the same line um that ingram has kind of lost in the shuffle but you know, all of a sudden I looked and I was like, God, 12 points and he's fourth on the team in scoring that um, really kind of blew my mind. Um, and I was just uh, just kind of wondering your thoughts. And if you're kind of in the same boat as I am, that he has very quietly been um, just doing all the things and maybe I don't notice them. Maybe it's, you know, usually it's good for a defenseman if you don't notice them, but you know, I'd, I'd like to notice him scoring a little bit more, but he's still creating opportunities, creating chances. So, I mean, I don't know. It, it just, uh, that aspect really surprised me. I think I agree. We I mentioned this a couple weeks ago with Anhorn, but being surprised at how many points he had as well. I'm looking at Ingram. Of his 12 points, six of them are second assists. Those can surprise you. you like, a lot of times they are sometimes a second assist can be the key assist of a play, but you know, if it's like saving the puck mm-hmm. from going out of the zone or like a great clearing pass that sets up a two on one, but there are ones where it's just a guy hit, you know, touch the puck second to last before the goal. And you just don't really recognize them. And I'm wondering if that's going to be the case with Ingram, um, similar to where it was with Anhorn, where I went through one game where I think he had three assists and it's like each one of them, it's just like, was not the the primary like playmaker in that in that play, and so sometimes yeah points can be deceiving. You know, the lack of points can be deceiving. Sometimes you'll make a great play and don't even get a second assist. So that might be part of it. Yeah, I mean, I think I'll kind of look at that first number, the three goals, as being the if we're going to criticize, we want that to be more. Like if it's going to have 12 points, I'd rather it be nine and three rather than three and nine, because I'm figuring that Ingram's the type of player who's, who can finish. I see, I see him more as a finishing type than a setup type. Um, not to say that he can't be a setup guy, but um, he, just with his shot and I think his ability to his size, I, I just, I, f- I find him to be more of a, an, an effective finisher than a uh, playmaker at this point in his career. So yeah, it's hard to, 
it's hard to, you know, criticize 12 points, um, you know, in the first half of the season, um, you know, that would put him right around 24 points, which is essentially kind of where he was last year as well. Maybe we're expecting a step up into maybe the 30 point range this year. I still think there's definitely room to be, to improve for him, but at the same time, he's, he's not a player that I typically like forget about. Like he doesn't go into modes where he's just kind of invisible. He's, seems to be in the action I, I seem to notice his presence but i don't know if that's a satisfying enough answer what what about you yeah it, it's well i when i was thinking about it i was thinking about yeah he must be kind of you know kind of in that sophomore slump type area and then just i don't know that's just kind of my gut feeling from what i saw that but looking at there's nothing that suggests that I can back that up. So it's just, he's just been quietly producing. Um, and, and, um, so I just kind of wanted to get your take on that as well. And maybe it's also because, I mean, 28 shots, isn't a lot of shots. Yeah. Um, I don't think for him, I feel like, um, like you said, um, you know, just, you know, a shot and a half or so a game, you'd want him to shoot the puck maybe a little bit more. And I've, feel like him on the power play he was you know doing maybe a little bit more of the behind the back pass um and being more of a distributor when a lot of those instances i would like him to kind of rip the puck so yeah so i mean i would say like other storylines here as far as like mentioning centers and trying to find some line combinations that work i mean i, I feel like they've hit on something with the uh Solquist molinar and uh Kupka line, um, particularly Kupka. Uh, Molinar has cooled off since sort of his hot start, you know, donuts in the last five games for him. Uh, and then Solquist obviously had been hurt for a couple of those games. Uh, so we haven't really seen a full 100% of that line um, in a bit. I mean, I guess the Saturday game would have been the first time that they had been together since the uh, since the Michigan no, since Duluth, the Duluth series. So, yeah, I mean, getting kicked out also in the first game against Duluth yeah. probably doesn't yeah. help. Yeah, not not complete donuts if you count the penalty minutes, uh, the 15 of them <laughs> that he, he, he got on that one play. Them, yeah. But and we feel like Werner and VD, you know, coming into the year, we didn't think that that was going to be common, much less like kind of solid line mates by the end of the first half. Um, we certainly didn't see Okabe's struggles. Uh, that's, and we didn't see Anhorn who I've said, I think he's picked it up in the last two or three weekends of play. Um, but I, I've given up the idea that he's like a Hobie contender. Um, but that's fine. He doesn't need to be, to be a productive player, but, um, he's certainly not at the level that the high end level that we were expecting. But as we've seen, he can still be. A more than serviceable player. Uh, and so mm. uh, it's just weird how it's, how it's, how it's all kind of unfolded. You know, where's, where's Nick ports. When's the last time we've talked about him? Uh, Jack Rogers, he didn't play this whole weekend. Um, he kind of seems to be buried at this point. Um, you know, we've seen Rosborough kind of come out of nowhere. Sort of maybe that's the uh, Nick ports uh, trade off. Cause it seemed like once sports kind of started, to see the bench uh, as a regular occurrence, then that's when we saw Rosborough play a little bit more frequently. 
Um, you know, we've seen Barrett Hall we mentioned going through a good, good first kind of spurt there in, in October kind of went dead for a little bit. Maybe now he's waking back up. It's, it doesn't seem like everybody's been peaking at the right moment, but yet we still have the seven Oh and one thing in the uh, conference. And so there's nothing you can do about the non-conference that that's always going to keep you at the fringes of the pairwise this year. Uh, and yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, boy, I mean, you got to take care of business against Bemidji too. But uh, let's just assume that that happens. You really got the the big test, I think, coming up in January. Back to back weekends at Denver and versus North Dakota. Those that's the gauntlet of this of this year for the schedule. That's the gauntlet for this team um, because you only play the uh, Dakota just the once. You, you do play Denver at home towards the end of the uh, regular season, but back to back weekends. That's really the big the big test in the second half and you get that right away. So it's, we're going to learn a lot quickly. Yeah. Once the second half starts here and let's just hope that injuries to key players. I mean, crossing my fingers about Bassey, if that's, if that's going to be anything um, serious, at least it's good that we got some action for, for posh this weekend. Um, But uh, you know, guys like Solquist who's been dinged up here um, guys like Reiners it's, Let's hope that he's back. You know, what we had heard there from the KVSC guys is that it's he was going to be out for the first half, but hopefully back for the second half. Let's hope that that's that's the case. So, I mean, I'm optimistic. It's just it's not the type of optimism that I had coming into the season for the Huskies, and it's certainly <laughs> not the pessimism that right. I had after October ended. Where where would you uh, gauge this team's progress at, at the um, quasi halfway point? Um, just, you know, overall, when I'm looking, I thought their strength would be in their defense. Um, and then just, you know, looking to where they're sitting right now, you know, uh, 2.3 goals against, uh, and that's good tied for eighth, um, in, in, in the country, um, goals per game though, down to 30th, um, in, in the country. So it's, it's I, I thought us I thought we would be maybe a little bit more dynamic, but I also was kind of lukewarm on this recruiting class coming in. And that's where I thought the defense was going to carry us. I thought Okabe and then I thought Kupka was going to get a step forward and um, you know, Anhorn and then Bassionette was was going to give us kind of that uh kind of propel us to, you know, that top half or, you know easily in the NCAA tournament and top finish and whatnot. So, um, but with how everything is kind of shaken out is I'm incredibly excited for this freshman class. Um, and Solquist has really gone, you know, way above and beyond my expectations. But I mean, just looking at kind of the future of Huskies hockey um, to, you know, with um, obviously Barrett Hall, um, I, I thought Werner has looked like kind of a seasoned vet out there at times. Um, we've talked about Clark's step forward over the last couple of weeks. Um, but I feel like also the last couple of weeks, maybe the last three series or so, I felt like it's been kind of a coming out party for Ryman and Gross. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have been incredibly impressive. Um, and, and I think so. It's It's one of those things that with where we're at right now, and I you know, I, I, I like the prospect of these freshmen getting better 
And then I think we're only like one good series from Okabe, him flipping on the switch. And then, you know, then I think we're just going to start rolling. And then we're going to get a lot more of these, you know, four goal, five goal games. You know, we've had a couple, obviously, with um, uh, Duluth and then, you know, putting asterisks over the Omaha game. But I, I, I think we're just, you know, if we get a little bit of the gunk out, I think, you know, we're going to peak at at the right time that we need to. Uh, and, and that's really going to carry our, our momentum and, and get us into this tournament. But again, I don't like the side of the bubble we're sitting on right now. It just makes me a little bit nervous. Yeah. You know, if we're struggling to come up with POWs for this weekend, I'm just thinking of this impulsively here, but uh, would you have a POF player of the first half? Ooh, a puff? Puff. You got to get the H oh, in there at, at the end. Puff. Because um, that's tough. I, I don't, that that's incredibly tough. Yeah, I don't, I I mean, if I were to give you somebody that like most surprising or like most. It's not spoff, not surprising player of the first half. <laughs> but like. But like, think of it as um, like, like coach of the year. Coach of the year usually goes to either the person who finishes first or a team that we thought was going to suck. A team that exceeds ex- the expectations the most. It's typically what a coach of the year or <laughs> exactly. manager of the year will go with. So like when I think of it that way and this award is like who exceeded my expectations the most in in that sense would be Solquist. Um, Are you going to give him the puff? Because that was our joke coming into the year that he was going to be the team MVP. It was hundred percent, but I'm I've I've conf- I've converted to a a, a Saul Quistian, um, and his uh, his performance uh, through throughout the year. Um, hard also not to look at ten goals from Alpha. Um, I know we said we struggled, um, but that has really exceeded my expectations. So. Easy answer, probably VT Mietnin, um go with, but my surprising pick, um, somebody I didn't have much expectations for, um, and and I've been really impressed with the Solquist. The good pick. I, I think I'll also Which wait, 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 which you if if you get into a DeLorean and you play this clip for me in 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 uh, August or October or September or whatever, and say this is what you are going to say at the unofficial halfway mark. I would have thought the season would have gone absolutely pear shaped and absolutely bonkers. Well, I did say jokingly so, that he would take. Yes. He's gonna be the wire to wire team MVP because he's gonna take the first draw of the year, obviously, and then he was gonna <laughs> score the overtime winner in the national title game. Well, he did take that opening draw of the year, which is the most uh, obvious prediction, but that just means he's just, we just got to check off that second part and we'll have that uh, prediction nailed. There we go. I'll, um, I'll throw out some love for Kupka. Um, it, it'll be, Kupka's a really good pick, but it'll be really crazy. If like, we talked about like how many of the great players that we've had over the past, you know, you know, I'll even say decade, but you know, even more recent than that. And that Solquist, our first line center, is the one that brings home the natty. <laughs> That's just could be. Uh, 
poetic. Could be. But yeah, I like I like thinking Kupka esque. Um, you know, we've seen the metamorphosis of of Kupka here. I'm throwing literary puns here. I'm, I'm you're thinking that no one's going to get a, a rawhide re- or a, a, a lonesome dove reference. Bonanza. Bonanza. I'm just throwing and spewing out TV westerns. Rawhide, but uh, yeah, Clint Eastwood. That's where he got his start. But um, I was making a Franz a Franz Kafka a Kyler Kupka pun, but I'm sure that 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 fell gotcha. flat. But because he wrote something called the Metamorphosis, but uh, he's I. I that's that's the guy that turns in like he wakes up as a cockroach, right? right? So some kind of bug. I'm not gotcha. sure what if it was a cockroach or not, but yeah, it's an insect of some yeah. sort. But um, you know, and I didn't have low expectations for him. I thought I think I put on the record a 30 point year from him. Like during the off season would be something that you know, seeing a 25 point year last year. And I, yeah, I he had a slow start. You know, three three games, the first three games with, with nothing. But since then points in every game except two, except two and so he's been on the score sheet uh frequently and he's got some big goals for the team too you know game winner against Duluth in that second game the early third period goal the Michigan game tying goal um at the end Michigan tying game um yeah. you know he's at the there was a, a, the, a frustrating Alaska game but that was he scored a, a key power play goal to tie that game up somewhat late too before that game went pear-shaped so, I mean, he has a knack for scoring some key clutch goals for them as well. And so I've I've enjoyed to see his progression, just in kind of a physical game. I, I can tell the other team doesn't like playing against them, sort of a pest. Um, mm-hmm. He's seemingly has that with that line, too, with him and Molinar and, and Selquist. It's a veteran line, and they play in a, in, in a sense of that they have this experience and they've been around the block a little bit and, I'm sure behind the scenes they're playing some some role there too, trying to keep the team on an even keel after that terrible start in October. Like, let's just stick to it and and we'll find it eventually. And and they have in conference play so far. So I've liked it. I, I've liked what uh, what Kupka has brought to the table this year as well. But yeah, it's it's that's not an easy pick, uh, and that's partially a, I, I think a tribute to how this team is built. That there is no clear you know, far and away star player. You have a lot of different contributors. Um, and from a game to game basis, you're not sure who's going to step up and score offensively. Mm-hmm. It's, it's similar in terms of the women's uh, team, which we're going to get to. I should wait for a minute. there. a great uh, transition, but uh, from the women's side too, like um, from their offense has been coming from various characters of late and, they're stepping up some key goals and offensively that's yeah we might have some more usual suspects on the men's side namely alpha um but um it's nice to nice to know that granishan can pop in a like a highlight real goal like he did on on saturday night uh and it's nice to see that we can we can have guys like gross and ryman and rosborough first goal of the year these guys of late have have stepped up and and cashed in some some real big goals for this team. So it's uh, a sense that yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to say that this is like the deepest team ever. Certainly not the deepest team even St. Cloud's had in, in recent years, but it's deep in the sense that you know anyone is willing to step up and and score key goals on, on every any given day. And even got guys that are on the bench that are fighting for playing time that have. You know, proven to have some some key uh, um, contributions as well. So 
it's just a weird how we've gotten to this point. It's not so far off from where our initial predictions were, but the, the way that they've gotten there is completely been surprising. And that's fun. It's it, it keeps you on your toes and you don't really know what to expect. I, I'm, I'm not complaining that much. And even though if you've heard this podcast for any uh, length of time, we get plenty, we have plenty of complaints, but um, so far it's just, it's, it's, it's been a interesting, uh, but yet still fun year so far and excited to see how it, how it develops towards the end. Um, uh, around Anything else, the, I guess, the weekend of college hockey on the men's side or any other games that you watched? I had my eye on the Denver-Western Michigan. That whole kerfuffle uh, that happened um, where there was uh, a good old dust-up, I guess, if we want to keep yeah, the up. Western the, uh, yeah. Uh, the Western team? Yeah. The Western bar fight here. there. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, a little bar fight there at the uh, at the OK Corral. Pioneers and Broncos, um, like that's both of those are kind of Western. Yeah, themed. right. The, there you go. I'm your Huckleberry. Yo. Um, that was, uh, I mean, that was an interesting uh, series. Obviously, the um, you know uh, Colorado College taking two overtime wins against North Dakota. That was a big surprise, causing the North of Dakota fans to get into their fireberry uh mode which is always kind of fun to see uh but uh, anything else uh kind of around college hockey in general any league any anything on the men's side here that yeah well, I mean, let's touch on those the nchc matchups a little bit um yeah so the, the western denver series i mean talking eight, 80s oh, I, I should also say um uh, Duluth and Omaha played, I think, what was hockey, but the toilet was bowl the toilet bowl, and so. as such, Duluth winning the toilet bowl. Although, uh, I'm going to get to this too with the Denver Western Michigan series. They Miami had tied that game on Saturday in the third period, and they overturned it based on an offside review where the guy was if he was if he was offside, I don't think it was conclusive at all. It was a millimeter in the zone. It's just, and it's like the goal, the goal was scored like 30 seconds after it. It's like, what are we doing here? It's just pathetic. Yeah. And with that saying that the, so I, I mean, I watched a fair amount of the Friday game, which is, you know, both these games is throwback eighties types of affairs, seven to five or seven to three. And then six to five, uh, Denver going to their third goaltender. It's this, uh, it's this guy that they brought in from the USHL early. They just He's a future in. commit that's mm-hmm. supposed to be incubating at the USHL this year, but with the disastrous goaltending from Matt Davis and Fred Halleck and Davis also being hurt, kind of compelled to bring in another guy, Geisel. I'm not sure. We're going to call him Dr. Seuss because that was Dr. Seuss's last name. So he becomes a good trivia question here. Uh, the third goalie in the first half for Denver this year, third different goalie to give up a five goal performance. Uh, so they've had three separate Ooh. goalies in the first half, give up five goals in a game. And this guy, so like you can tell he's brand new cause he has no painted helmet. It's just like a regular white helmet. He got like the decals for his numbers, but that was about it for the flare on the helmet. 
They, they got quick stickers back there of the two numbers that you need. And that, so. that if, if there's an image of the first half for Denver, it's that. It's, it's an unpainted goalie helmet because that's, how, that's the depths that you've had to dredge in order to try to get someone to stop a stupid puck for them. And doesn't look like this guy's <laughs> off to a great start, at least with a one-game sample size. But I was trying to – so I was flipping back and forth through various games as I normally do, and I uh, you know, see this – Denver Western Michigan games tight affair again. And it's towards the end of the first period. And I flip it on and there's just the, the first shot I see is of the penalty box. And (laughs) they're, they're like, yeah, well, they're now they're going to review it. I seriously had it on for at least seven minutes while they were doing reviews. I'm like, finally, I turn it on to the toilet bowl. I went to Miami and and Duluth because I'm like, give me some hockey for F sake. And and that's they, they reviewed it, and then I don't there's know. Two if there reviews. Was a that's what it was. They reviewed it, and, and then went, and then first Royal challenged it to, to then re-review it, which is what? Why is that allowed? And then so that's all. That's all I saw of the game because then it was the second. I think it was the second period for the Huskies that started. So the next time that I checked in, seriously, I press play and it's like well they're going to a review and it's just like i this is like the game from purgatory i can never this is the game that i can never actually watch <laughs> so i was able to see some of it i saw the the game tying goal at the end but it was one of those things like let's play some hockey we're not here to watch the refs but yeah clearly a very heated uh game and one that uh, had a lot of uh, a lot of penalties i'm sure a lot of them were justified but uh, hard to, hard for me to get a flow of that game. But so and again, I, I think a, a decent performance from Western taking four points there from Denver. Um, Western, again, has been able to, uh, you know, position themselves in the top half of this conference. Another another year where I'm down on Western in the beginning of the year and said, prove it to me again that you can build another t- uh, stellar top line. It looks like they have been doing that. I still think that even when we mentioned Cameron Rowe has been putting up a great year statistically. I think when we mentioned the 925 save percentage, just take a look at their non-conference and it was two games against Lindenwood and two against St. Lawrence is also terrible. That's really been padding his numbers a little bit in the conference. He's definitely not been as sharp as his overall numbers would indicate. I still think that's their kind of weakness. If they have one is in goal. But um, they certainly can can score with anybody, except if uh, if you're talking about the Huskies in, in mid-November when they played them out there. Uh, but uh, they look pretty good, and Denver's got those same question marks that they've had all year. And so, yeah, if you watched a little bit more of that game than I did, what, what were your takeaways? Um, you know, first off, Woden, if you're listening, because obviously you are, um, College Hockey Stats used to have that little breakout of, like, overall and conference stats and you brought up a good point especially because again rose gonna face lindenwood two more times um like that's not a bad idea for you know to kind of see that difference between what they're thinking nchc's um, i think nchc's website has conference only stats i'll check it if i'll check it if you want to keep going i can tap dance or i can you can tap dance and I'll, i'll check on that 
I can I can tap dance. I just NCHC website it's, always it's, just it's kind of, very good. I, I don't know how hard it is to make like a decent. I mean, I guess college hockey stats did it the best, and the fact that it's no longer there is just sad. And maybe because there's no ads on it, maybe that's also why I like it the best. But just everything was laid out so clean, it was just so easy to find. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there was um, just a lot of there. There was a big scrum in that game. And um, basically, Granger kind of uh, uh, gave a little bit of shot after after the whistle. I mean, it was a little bit of a tap um, of, of of the goalie, and then everybody else just kind of kind of jumped in. Um, uh, Hillenbrand got um, uh, a game of conduct uh, for grabbing the face max. Galambos um, got unsportsmanlike conduct. A bunch of roughing calls. Uh, kind of all over the place i was a little bit surprised that um i think after all was said and done denver ended up actually getting a power play out of it which kind of surprised me um that they gave the uh goaltender interference to granger even though it was i don't know i don't i don't think it was that was the right call at all even though he did kind of start it's not like he barreled over the goalie or anything like that it was more of a little incidental nudge than anything that Denver just wanted to get some frustrations out, especially after getting waxed the first night. Yeah. So Roe overall is at nine fifteen. He was at nine twenty five coming into the weekend. So his eight goal performance against Denver put a <laughs> dent into that, but his conference only stats is he just had a nine Oh six in the conference. So that is buoyed. Sure. Uh, by a, an easy non-conference schedule. You want to guess at who's got the top save percentage in conference games oh. only in the NCHC? I would guess Bass would be correct. <laughs> 934 in seven games. Seven, uh, seven, oh, and one, or I guess all seven wins were him. So I guess that would have been the easy one. Where's uh, Pearson on that list? Or person in or conference? Wants to go by now. Eight eighty eight. <laughs> and he's at number seven in the oh. conference. Now there's they're counting they're counting God, both Tyson and Stayskull from uh, Duluth. They've both played four games. Everybody else in this list has either seven or eight games. So I mean, even if you want to take out the UMD goalies, he's still bottom half of the regular starters. Uh, so uh, yeah, Stayskull then Embarico uh, at we're calling it second because I'm taking Stayskull and Tyson out of it. But so Embarico well behind Bassey at 913. So, I mean, and again, Bassey, you know, he had a nice weekend against Miami and the, the and he had that really good weekend against Western. I mean, it's, I, I'm not trying to, to discount his stats other than saying he played Miami, which a lot of these other goalies have as well. Um, that's the benefit <laughs> of playing Miami. Uh, and maybe that's why Halleck's there at dead last at 861 save percentage in seven games. He hasn't played Miami yet. So, He'll have a chance yeah. to work out those numbers if he hasn't lost the job fully to the uh, to if the guy who's playing the in the USHL then, yeah. three weeks ago. So, uh, yeah, what's <laughs> statistics? What do they say? Uh, well, uh, three kinds of lies, lies, damn lies, and statistics. Um, they yeah, they can. Uh, this is uh, maybe feeding into that uh, narrative. Um, always happy to see. Uh... North Dakota gets swept, um, you know, even though that's the three on three overtime. So asterisks there. Um, 
I, I put in the asterisks on. Obviously, everybody else around the country is calling it a full-fledged sweep, but it's not a sweep. Know, clown hockey, it's it's a know. sweep in the head-to-head because yeah. the head-to-head and pairwise is two and zero, oh, which they got the same amount of points as St. Cloud this weekend. They got, they both got four points. I don't know how you could really call it yeah. call that a, a sweep, but it's easy for people, right? You know, that we're trying to grow the game. Yep. So yeah, CC swept swept them. The game. So, but um. Yeah, so I mean, sitting there uh, in the in the standings, sitting St. Cloud, obviously in first, um, North with twenty two points, North Dakota at eighteen, um, twenty two points, um, and you know I was kind of going through the history, looking to see home ice. Um, a lot of mid thirties was kind of the basis. Um, you know, thirty three a couple of years were was the fourth place finisher. Uh, 36 was one year. I think one year was like 41, which was incredibly high. But um, so that's kind of some of the unofficial kind of benchmarks of what we're looking for, for, you know, at least to clinch um, home ice for the first round. Which that was. And to see that word. I mean, go back to the one we did after Alaska. Because I was saying at, by f- yeah. at least you're not going to get home ice and play in the conference. Like not even thinking about first place. I don't even think fourth place mm-hmm. is a possibility, but now I, yeah. yeah, I would, I would say if you don't get a home ice advan- uh, spot in the playoffs, something really bad went wrong. Mm-hmm. Maybe you re- return to form to the October uh, level of hockey that they were playing. Something like that would have, would have to happen for them to, to drop that far. Yep. So uh january 12th and 13th at denver and then 19th and 20th home against north dakota which is our only time facing north dakota so um yeah some big series coming up uh with the people right behind us so um obviously get through the non-conference with bemidji hope to salvage a little bit more from pairwise and take care of business um uh, Bemidji might, or I would say probably would be without one of their players. Yeah. Um, it's weird. They got a, they got uh, a junior player. Yep. Got it. Got a junior player. Um, we're planning to have Jake Baskin on, um, uh, kind of a world junior aficionado and also to talk a little bit of WCHA women's, he follows Gophers hockey, um, for the women's side. Uh, well, so we'll get his thoughts about that team, but, um, yeah, so I mean that's going to be kind of a big series for the non-conference side of things to salvage a little bit, you know, a little bit of the pairwise. Um, yeah, and we'll we'll preview so, that uh, what probably two weeks, whatever the the, the week before that they play yeah. that game. And I also, I mean, we're going to have our year. It would be the first start, first part of twenty twenty four when you do the again predict the field the halfway point. I know I've been giving short shrift to the other conferences. I've still been following them. It just we've got so much to talk about. We've already an hour and fourteen in. We haven't talked about the women's team. Yeah. So when we do I that, when we women. do that, uh, predict the field again for the uh, second half. I'll we'll be sure to zoom through the other conferences and kind of mention what we've been seeing through those through those uh, leagues. Sacred Heart, right up there. So <laughs> so yeah. So so perfect women. Let's talk about it. Uh, women go down in overtime two to one. Jojo was in net for that one. Um, Avery Farrell had a four on four goal, uh, to tie it in the third. Um, but uh, tripping call on Taylor Lind gave uh, overtime power play, and uh, Minnesota Duluth was able to capitalize on that one. 
and uh saturday's game a little bit of a different story um where st cloud uh was able to win five to one two empty netters on it um uh reese hunt was able to score for uh, minnesota duluth but that was on a power play and an extra attacker situation um avery farrell again um with a goal this one was shorthanded beautiful goal um Alessorial, a beautiful backhand at the top of the slot was just great. Himmlerova with the first goal. Um, overall, I was a little bit worried coming into this matchup. I was, I was excited but worried because of you know what Minnesota Duluth was able to do to Colgate. After this series, I am completely comfortable playing Minnesota Duluth in the playoffs. Um, I I didn't see all of the uh, the Friday game. I saw bits and pieces of it. Um, it was kind of a fluke, I would say, that Minnesota Duluth was able to even get that one into overtime. JoJo misplayed a puck um, from like the blue line. You know, yeah. The blue line. Harmless um, blue dump line in. corner. It wasn't even really much of a Harmless shot. Harmless dumping. But... So I don't know if she was lost it in the lights or whatnot, but it was uh, kind of a bizarre to see a weak goal uh, given up by JoJo. Um, and then obviously it should go without saying at this point, but a hold of plate on Saturday um, obviously was able to get the, the, the victory there uh, because that's what a hold it does. Um, so it's, you know, just with, with how the game's played in the weekend, I am completely comfortable playing Minnesota Duluth in the, um, in the playoffs. Cause that's where it's going to be. I mean, let's face it. They're essentially locked in right now with four or, um, with four and five being us two, uh, you know, around 23 and 22 points, I think. Um, and then the next place is nine points. Nine, nine, so nine, it's nine. kind of a big, uh, big swing there, but, um, yeah, I was really impressed with all the play. Grace Wolf again, did not play. So Himmler over on D, um, but I thought she played really well. Um, but I think, um, you know, maybe a little bit early to kind of give the pow, but obviously Avery Farrell seeing some of the depth scoring kind of come through with Farrell and Soriel, um, uh, you know, just obviously made me happy <laughs> um, that we're, we're seeing that a little bit more and, and uh, get a, um, a, a big weekend out of the Huskies. And I'm actually kind of looking through, even though we didn't beat Minnesota, I have no problem playing Minnesota. I don't really have a problem with playing Ohio state. Um, I am incredibly confident in this team and how we play and how this season has gone on. I'm so hard into this Kool-Aid right now <laughs> that like I, I like if we're in a one game situation in the froze in the final face off, I'm, I like our chances. Now I'm not going to say that I'm 75% sure we're going to win or anything like that. But I mean, that this team has shown that we're, we can play with anybody in the country. I mean, again, you know, to go through this stretch, win against Ohio State, uh, tie against Minnesota, where, again, I thought you were, I, I mean, it wasn't your normal game against Minnesota where we were dominated or any sense of that. You know, I mean, Minnesota has impressed me in both games that they've played. Um, and then a game again where I think we outplayed Minnesota Duluth for, you know, kind of the majority of the weekend. I'm 
yeah, I'm all aboard with what this team is doing and how they're playing and really excited for, you know, the second half. And hopefully we can take care of business when we um, playing the lesser teams in the WCHA. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a good weekend. I, so watching the game on Friday uh, was a frustrating game because it, it gave me some flashbacks to the St. Thomas series um, where I thought they thoroughly outplayed Duluth. clear sort of shot advantage possession advantage to have that goal for Duluth go in was just a killer. Cause you're thinking it's, it was almost like I was thinking like, this is almost as if the Huskies were playing themselves this weekend. We mentioned it coming into this series, how similarly built these mm-hmm. two teams are where, you know, they've been struggling for offense. They've got a couple of good players. Each team's got some players, some double digit point out uh, totals so far this year. And you know, that McMahon and hunt for, uh, for Duluth have been decent this year, but there's just no real star power. But they also just have some two great goalies on both teams. And we saw that with Gascon on Friday um, was the difference in that game for getting that game to overtime. I mean that, if, and then it's the Chobax bad goal that she gave up, but um, especially in the first half of that game, like prior to the Duluth fluky goal, like that was kind of the script of that game was St. Claus just not able to finish their chances. They, I don't, I wouldn't even, I mean, offensively challenge might be harsh because I don't think that they struggled generating chances. It's just an inability to finish chance chances that is been holding them back. Like if you were able to finish chances, Correct. you probably beat the Gophers this past Tuesday. Yes. If you finish your chances, you beat Duluth. You don't even go to overtime on Friday. Um, and it's nice to get points out of these games. As I mentioned, now we're at that where I said at the beginning of the year, if we're doing like a whole year first half recap, getting points, getting any, some points in half of the games against these top four and playing 16 games, you can get points in eight of those games. You're probably going to make the tournament so far. They played eight games against that top echelon and they've gotten four games in which they've gotten points out of four of those. So you're right at that 50%. And, and- and I thought that was incredibly optimistic right. that we'd be able to do that. Like, I was like, there's no chance that's going to happen. Almost no chance that we we're going to. And sure enough, here we are. We're sitting seventh in the pairwise uh, as well. So on the good side of that bubble. Um, so just to just to see that, it's been incredibly uplifting to say the least yeah but like i said it's it was again frustrating to see the uh, the lack of finishing on friday and i you know the way it was looking is like this is gonna be a one to nothing loss and farrell was able to pot that game time goal which is huge uh and yeah the overtime uh lind had to take that penalty it would have been a breakaway for the duluth player um some mm-hmm. misposition uh so she was kind of uh, the last husky there on the back end and unfortunate that she had to take that penalty and they scored the goal i think right when the penalty was ending um i think they still called it a power play goal but it might have been right at the uh you know two minute mark yeah it was like period. right at the two minute mark so that yeah. I mean, the player hadn't returned you know she hadn't returned to the action at that point um so four on three goal to to win it which was certainly a, a bad taste in your mouth because like i said i thought clearly we're the best team uh on the ice that that game and then as we saw the Saturday game develop in the first period there, again, more of the same. I think they got the first six shots of the goal, six shots on goal in the Saturday game. 
Um, but and having some big opportunities. And this is the game that uh, Haley McLeod starts for Duluth. We mentioned her last last week, undefeated in her college career so far. Um, as good as Gascon has been for Duluth this year, McLeod's been better. And so, and particularly playing very well of late, you know, uh, being a net for both of those Colgate games and then the, the game they won in Madison last weekend. And so you're thinking, yeah, well, it's it's going to be tough to get one by her uh, this weekend. And Duluth, to their credit, uh, was able to kind of turn the tide. They played really well in the second period. They're a gross ouch, you know, sh- shooting advantage in that period. But it was the Huskies that ended up making the plays. We mentioned the Himmlerova goal. So after the Friday game, I'm just like, I know that Wolf's injury has been forcing some roster shuffling here. But honestly, this team does not really struggle defensively, especially with these goaltenders. My whole solution was put Himmlerova back it forward because this team is, is desperate yeah. for offense. And she's one of your top scorers and for finishing. Right. And we, you know, and maybe we, we can get six of one half dozen of the other because she does score kind of the greasy goal there on the doorstep in the first period, uh, which they reviewed that for, I'm not sure why uh, they reviewed that goal, but uh, yeah. So, I mean, that was, that was key, even though I, and I don't know if, if, if Wolf's going to be back, if the whole plan was like, she's going to be off for the first half, but she's going to be back for the second half. But I mean, this is when I when I I saw her on on Saturday, and you know, so the women's scratches kind of sit in the same corner. Um, and I saw her crutches were laid beside her, so she's still mm-hmm. on. So she's still on crutches, um, still putting some weight on it. But so this is definitely lingering on longer than I originally anticipated it. Yeah, and. and- so I don't know. And I've already emailed Adolski once on an illness. Um, I don't, I, I'm nervous about doing it again. Cause again, he scares me just flat out. Yeah. And it's not that Himmler has been, she's, she's held her own um, as a defender here since. So it was after the Minnesota state game. So basically since the start of November, she's been playing the point. She's got four points in that time period, but just one goal. And that's just not quite the role that, I think she's best suited for this team. And we, we saw that uh, Jaden Britt played last weekend. Um, we got some action um, and she played this weekend as well. She played, yeah, she played the golfer game. And then these two Duluth Duluth weekends, and she hadn't really seen much action so far this year. And so it's like, I, I, I feel like we have enough depth defensively that we don't need to put him back in the point so far. Again, not, not to say that she's been bad, but, I just would want the uh, offense to be enhanced by putting Himmler over there. Like I said, maybe you can have the best of both worlds if she's going to be able to step into the action and and put in some some key goals. Uh, but we'll see how that develops through the second half of the year because I can see it if Himmlerova was just doing this temporarily, if this is a short-term injury for uh Wolf at this point, a six week injury. I don't know if I would even classify it as short term. And if it's going to be the rest yeah. of the year, I would really hate to have to lose him. Larova's offense or the bulk of it, let's say for like true presence, I think as a kind of physical grinding type of forward. Um, I would hate to miss that, especially because of the back end that we have on this team already. 
but um, we'll see how that develops. But you mentioned the surreal goal. I think that's one of the goals of the year for the Huskies. I think that was a great play. Um, she's been impressive this year uh, as far as like freshman uh, of the year. Uh, I would probably give her the edge so far. Um, it, she's just been like the most dynamic player among the freshmen, not to say anything like Zimmerman's been impressive as well um, as a freshman. There is a freshman uh, out there, we think. Um, I'm not sure <laughs> if we can call her a freshman, but there's one out there that uh, my podcast uh, partner here has been calling for. Um, I, I have been. But we, we don't know. We don't know <laughs> so, if she exists. So. <laughs> she's she's schrodinger's freshman i think is is what she is she's uh we don't know if she exists or if she doesn't um it, so avery myers is in like she's uh pretty popular on tiktok uh, as you mentioned and so yes. i follow her on tiktok on tiktok and they have the trend of who on your team would you not let your brother date so they asked all the the women, the women, um, who, who, who on the team would you not let your brother die? Pretty much everybody said either Avery Myers or Grace Del Monaco. So she exists. Um, so, so she, she does exist. And all of these, you know, people, because it's the internet and this is just how it works. Um, all of these guys on Twitter that follow Avery were like, okay, show me who's Grace or why Grace or who's Grace. And I'm, so I comment, everybody wants to see Grace and I want to see her on the ice. Is, is Zadalski planning on redshirting her or what? <laughs> so I'll let you know if I get any intel from Avery please. Myers on Please TikTok. do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we do have an exhibition game that was thrown up on the schedule against Bemidji. Okay. Um, I miss uh, this, which was kind of a kind of a surprise. Um, so maybe that's uh that's the chance to get Grace Del Monaco some time, and hopefully, because um, hopefully we can because that won't affect a redshirt if they are planning on redshirting her. I I don't know. I mean, probably will. So we'll probably not see her. But would you say? I don't know. Baby, I, I see St. Thomas on January 6th. Is that the one? That wasn't. Oh, was the St. Thomas? That's what I'm seeing on their website, on St. Cloud's website right now. I don't remember that being on the schedule at the beginning of the year. Did they just, like, add that at, as an exhibition game? Yes. It was just added. Hmm. Like, it was just announced, like, a week ago. I guess I didn't know that you could do that in the middle of the season. But it'd be a good idea because you're you're off for more than a month now. The next actual game they play is January yeah. 12th. So it's actually a nice idea to have a tune up there before you get back into action with, with, with Mankato on the 12th. So oh, good to know. I, I hope they're going to uh, televise that because, yeah, it might be the only time this year that we get to see uh, Delmonico Steak out there. So, but yeah, I, so we're getting back to the game. A surreal, uh, great goal there. Yeah. And 10 points for her freshman year so far. Um, I think she's been impressive with the skill that she brings to the game. I can see her developing into a you know, future offensive uh, stud for this team. So good to see her. And then I think the, I mean, that was kind of the key play. Cause you're thinking two goals up uh, against a Hola is like a four goal lead for like an average goalie. But the real, <laughs> yeah, the real I'll, sort of dagger was the feral uh, shorthanded goal there, uh, and we mentioned mm -hmm. too with with Deleuze, like huge uh, 
um, power play struggles this year. I mean, this was, uh, you know, all weekend, their only power play goal they scored was that extra attacker power play goal. So it was a six on four. They pulled their goalie with like five minutes to go and they were down by three. Uh, but, uh, and they were able to score uh, one of the, their only goal of the game uh, on that Saturday game in that power play opportunity. But, um, you know, just playing or with their, their power play, uh, you know, 15.7%. And this was the fifth goal that they've given up, fifth shorthanded goal they've given up. So that's like even, that makes the, the dismal power play numbers even worse if they're able to give even up worse. power play goals to, at that clip. Uh, so, yeah, Farrell, as you mentioned, I would agree, my player of the weekend. You know, she's, again, it's similar to the men's side where, the numbering of lines doesn't really matter to me, but I mean, Farrell's basically been playing on their quote unquote first line, which I wouldn't have expected based on, you know, a transfer player coming from uh, Franklin Pierce over the off season. Um, I didn't expect her to be, you know, getting such, you know, prime premier minutes, but she's, you know, stepped up. I mean, nine points in 20 games, nothing to sneeze at in this, in this league. And, uh, some some key goals too uh, in 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 these games, yeah. uh, and nice to see a a shorty put on here. Yeah, I I found out something interesting about uh, Franklin Pierce uh, University. I I can't imagine. The, I was gonna say the president or the. Oh the I, yeah, I've I've been reading up on on the president as well, but uh, um, because this is part of it. Because so they, I can't imagine there's any other college team that this is the case so they're they're located in new hampshire it's uh, the the college franklin pierce university is in new hampshire a tiny town called ringe r-i-n-d-g-e which i don't know why it's there i figure like is, is that the birthplace of franklin pierce it's not uh, but they play their games in a different state than where their college is so they're they play in so they're in Ringe is in southern New Hampshire, and so it's like 15 miles from a town in northern Massachusetts, uh, which is where their rink is. So they have to go to another another really? state to play their home games, which I think is weird. I can't imagine that's that any other college can say that, but um, there is some information about the Franklin Pierce Ravens that you probably didn't know until right now. So that's what you're... I didn't know that their mascot was the. Ravens oh, we've been over that. Right I think now. I did a guess the bird um, contest because I think oh, I gave it to you it, that it was a bird. Um, but uh, but yeah, and then I probably made some kind of lame Edgar Allan Poe joke. I think you may have. Is. Yes, uh, and then I went to the cast of Montiago or something like that, and I don't I think know. you're right. Yeah, no, the real Franklin Pierce. He was like well, Portsmouth, well, New Hampshire. He, was, he had nothing to do with Ringe. He had nothing to do with that area of New Hampshire. Even he's the only president to be from New Hampshire, so they really love him in New Hampshire. But uh, mm. not really sure why they picked that. Nobody else <laughs> loved them. Presidential historians, especially, do not uh, take take fondly to Franklin <laughs> Pierce. Um, but uh, fun fact, and uh, that's where that's where she was able to, um, you know spread her wings for the first couple of years of her career. And then she flew the coop 
and uh, nevermore, nevermore to Franklin Pierce. And now another, another literary reference. I, I know I'm killing the audience here. Uh, we need to do the <laughs> proper demographics here. We need to get light beer and Pol- Polaris ads. Uh, that's what we really need to hit those demos here for, for the Husky Saki podcast. Right. But uh, Edgar Allan Poe was a writer. He wrote about a raven. So uh, it's you can you can Google it. But um, yeah, I think they got yeah. it. So <laughs> I think they got but, it. But yeah, Avery Farrell, good um, game, player of the weekend. Um, it's I don't know. Like I, I'd like to know her story because obviously from Rogers, um. And then how do you get recruited by Franklin Pierce? Um, and then you just kind of hop in the transfer portal and be like, eh, I think I want to be closer to home. But um, I, I mean, uh, I think we're seeing it. So you know, kind of this is up. kind of the, the transfer portal writ large is opportunities for mm-hmm. players who, you know, didn't have you know tons of offers coming out of juniors or coming out of high school or wherever they're coming from. And had to settle for, hey, maybe Franklin Pierce is the only only school that was offering Avery, Avery Farrell something in terms of a scholarship. And But then she puts up a 20-point-plus season for Franklin Pierce, and she's able to parlay that into something where she's, A, back at back closer to home, and, you know, obviously in a more, in a league that's got a lot more eyeballs and a lot more relevance. Um you can kind of use that portal as a way to, as a stepping stone to a different situation. And I mean, from the Franklin Pierce side of things, it kind of sucks because, you know, if you do have, if you do find someone who like Farrell has a pretty good season from last year, they're kind of immediately flight risks. But, you know, if you're at a St. Cloud is particularly like, I- I'm wondering, like they're very active this pass off season, you know, players like, uh, Farrell and Kaufman and Myers from last from two off seasons ago, uh, but they had what uh, Anik from Bemidji, uh, Bowlby. I mean, going down the list, there was Bowlby. six or seven players they got from the transfer portal, and that's kind of I, I think in large part due to the the raised relevance that Adelski was able to bring the program just in his first year. If you do something like make the tournament this next year. You know, we saw like uh, Ohio State um, and uh, Duluth, for that matter, both snag 30 to 40 point players from Penn State last year. Mm-hmm. Maybe St. Cloud's going to be in the market for a player like that. You know, players like in a CH. Like, St. Cloud definitely right? needs a player like that. A right? finisher. So, yeah. I mean, it raises the stakes if if this team has has that much more. Uh, attraction for other players to come to be based on their success. Um, yeah, maybe you're going to be in the market for a player um, like that. And you can make that, that jump even quicker, like from just making the tournament to being like a true contender, of the tournament you can kind of see how Adolski, like this is like express lane terms of turnaround. Like I expected yeah. him, I expected him and to I be good. I didn't just... expect him to be this good, this quick. Correct. And maybe that's just, you know, one of the things with the transfer portal. Um, and we're kind of seeing that with Wisconsin on the men's side, too. Uh, they're able to really jumpstart the rebuild of a program because you don't have to keep the people who are around. You know, obviously sucks for the players um, if you can't latch on to a home. But um, 
you know, it's obviously working out incredibly well for, uh, for St. Cloud state as the team and just kind of seeing what's going to, you know, if, if we can get some of these, you know, players that maybe like a Ohio state or a Minnesota might not have room for, but you know, a solid 30 point scorer from another team, like a Pharrell who is able to, to, to come in and able to finish and just more of those players is obviously going to be, um, you know, just even more so. And if, you know, we can keep up our defensive side positionally, that's kind of seems to be Adolski's MO. I think, um, you know, obviously the sky's the limit for this program and, you know, we can really be competitive um, with, with any team and we're, we've shown it so far this year. You can see like these, I was thinking like these turnarounds, uh, I was thinking of this with Michigan State with their men's team as well. Like when you have a coach come in and immediately turn around a program that had been sort of stuck in the water and struggling for a long period of time, it immediately kind of makes the prior regime look even worse. Like this doesn't look good. Like Michigan <laughs> State's turnaround looks doubly worse for Dan Cole, who couldn't turn around in about five or six year term there. You know, this doesn't look very good on Steve McDonald's resume as far as he's the previous Huskies coach. Um, well, neither what uh, Gentry said on the <laughs> the podcast. Sounds like the, well. it was a welcome change. Uh, not not to dunk yeah. too much on him, but uh, and not to say that this is easy. I don't think he's I don't think that this is easy for Radulski. Um And but he's been able to, I think, just like watch, you know, watching that podcast, uh, it seems like the culture has really sold become sold on Adolski and I think he's mm-hmm. been able to get some contributions from everybody on that team get a, like a full buy-in on his um, system and then like I said being having some shrewd moves uh, in, in the portal um, have you know made his made this rebuild I think uh, much quicker than we've expected and yeah, you're mentioning like frozen face-off and uh playoffs i mean <laughs> like we we just this is uncharted territory really for us i mean uh it is and, yeah so as you mentioned this is up to seventh in pairwise they were able to hop quinnipiac this past weekend and quinnipiac actually had a late comeback in their game i'm gonna say it was against princeton i'm gonna say i can check that but um and only able to get the pairwise from Ustro. It's like the only reason I have to, I go to Ustro now is because CHN, uh, which doesn't even really care about having the women's page on their site. They don't have their um, pairwise uh, up for the women, but Ustro does. And so I'm, I'm just hoping that that is accurate. Uh, but according to Ustro, uh, the Huskies are up to seventh uh, in the pairwise. You click the, uh, you click the current pairwise link for the women's and it goes to the standings. <laughs> so it's not even, it's like the link is just like, yeah, we don't even want to take care of the link. So yeah. Quinnipiac. See, yeah, they were down, they were down two goals in the third to Princeton and came back and then ended up winning that game in overtime. If we're in St. Cloud's shoes, it's these fringe ECAC teams, Quinnipiac, um, yeah. St. Lawrence, Col- or Cornell, um, kind of rooting for them to lose uh, and to solidify their spot. Because there's not, 
a ton you can do with the other four WCHA teams in the mix, other than beat them, which, you know, as we mm-hmm. mentioned this past week, had a good week with, with them. Well, and who does Quinnipiac got? Duluth coming up. Uh, on, they've got Duluth coming up. So it's kind of your, I guess, monkey's paw series where, um, you know, you're, those are the two teams you're fighting for, for these kind of lower positions. But, you know, at this point, uh, you're rooting for Duluth to win, I guess. Uh, you know, probably to, to a, a split these, probably would be fine fringe. this weekend. Or so. maybe you want maybe you want Quinnipiac to sweep that series, so then St. Cloud can jump Duluth, but then just then have Quinnipiac tail off. I don't know. Gaming the system in in terms of it's like five dimensional chess. I'm not sure. You probably go pretty crazy pretty quickly if you play that game. But um, yeah, I mean, that'll be a tough series, that one. And then obviously for Duluth or upcoming non-conference with Boise State, which we uh, talked a little bit about last uh, last show. I so forgot about keep that, that in mind yeah. as well. But but I'm yeah. trying to I'm looking uh, looking ahead here as well. Uh, you know. Obviously, you've got to take care of the schedule in front of you, but if they're able to. Hold water against the top four. We mentioned the schedule. You've you've got the I guess now we've been mentioned the exhibition game against St. Thomas, a little tune-up game. But then you've got Minnesota State and you've got St. Thomas to start the year or to start the second half of the season, which then is the prelude to the second gauntlet. Now they did pretty well in the first gauntlet. You know we mentioned the five games there: Ohio State, one against Minnesota, and then Duluth. They were able to get points out of four of those five games. Yes, just two wins, but you also had a tie and an overtime loss in that situation in that stretch as well. That gives you some pairwise boosting too. So I think that's as good as I remember I mentioned the, the the three games at home, thinking if we can go two and one, is that too high of a bar? Is that too greedy? And you're like, I think so. I mean, yeah, you didn't go two and one, but yeah. you got points out of all three of those games. I don't think it's, I think yeah. it's tough to be disappointed in that. So, I mean, if you, and I kind of like, you know, seeing that at the beginning of the season, this, that, that eight game stretch against all four of those top, top WCHA teams, like the true gauntlet there. I actually kind of like how it's set up. Whereas you, you get the, uh, you get the tune up games, two series, uh, with Mankato and St. Thomas, and then you just you just knock them all out. And I think I think it's almost better that you just play them all in a row because you're going to be in like all these games are going to be intense. There's going to be no like trap games in between in a in a span of eight days, though. <laughs> well, I'm saying for the second half with the uh, with the eight with the, with oh, the eight game half, got it. gauntlet. Like there's no, there's no sure. hey you got Bemidji this weekend. And that's going to be a trap game. Like it's, you're always going to be fully focused. And a lot of these games are on the road. I think five of the eight are on the road. Uh, So I, I, you, you have to, you have to go six and oh against the bottom three teams. You can't drop any of those games, Yep. but so far they haven't dropped any of the games to those three teams. They were six and oh in the first half uh, against those teams. And you got to do that this, the second half, but, and then, like I said, you take points in four of those eight games which I think based on what we've seen this, this first half, I think that's definitely doable. I think you're putting in, putting yourself in pretty good position. And then you see if, if you are like, I don't really want to be eighth. Like that's, if you're eighth, that's still 
not certain because a, a team lower than that in the ECAC, if they end up winning their conference tournament, that could knock out the eighth place team. Seventh is really a little bit more stable, I think. Plus, you get the benefit if you're eighth, you're kind of lining yourself up, looking like you're lining yourself up in Ohio State's bracket. Whereas if you're seventh, you're lined up with the Gophers bracket, which I think there is a bit of a dip in quality between Ohio State and the Gophers. Would you rather play the Gophers or would you rather play Ohio State with a chance to go to the Frozen Four? Again, I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but it's fun to speculate and it's fun yeah. to, you know, put yourself in that position. Like you, if you're seventh, you're going to be playing probably the CHA champ, maybe the Hockey East champ, depending on how Parawise shakes out. You know, whoever you play, if you are seventh or eighth, you're probably going to be favored in that game because you're going to be playing a team yeah. that's lower than ninth in pairwise. It's going to be an automatic qualifier. Um, and again, you can't you can't assume anything, and especially in postseason hockey. But to see like how we're looking ahead at potential NCAA matchups. It tells you how much this uh, program's come in, in such a short period here in, right. in Idolski's tenure. So uh, I, I really like what I've been seeing this 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 last game. Yes, the two empty netters made the score look a little bit more lopsided than it was, but still three nothing basically until five minutes to go in the game, and you definitely had full control. Other than that second period on Saturday, I thought you were in control for the entire weekend, and um, it's nice to see that you didn't just have to win a game one to nothing or two to one that you could play with a little bit of a lead. And I think that that, I think the confidence kind of, you could see it kind of grew on them. Like they, they liked playing with a little bit of a lead. It gave them a little bit more confidence and it gave them a little bit more opportunity to play a little bit more freewheeling. So, yeah, I have. Like you said, three goal lead with a hole in that. I mean, you might as well try to scale the Berlin right. wall. So, I mean, it's, it's not going to happen. It was a it was a good weekend. Four points against Duluth, uh, a good way to end the first half of the season. But we got another half to go, and it's uh, it's going to be fun again. How this one how this one ends up, it's going to be real fun to see how it all shakes out. I was just as we were talking about Quinnipiac and Minnesota Duluth. I was just looking at their roster. And I just found it kind of interesting. Their leading goal scorer, 13 goals, 11 assists, 24 points, Sadie Peart. Really? Yeah. From Grand Rapids, Minnesota. Yeah, I think there might be a, a relation there. Yeah, there might be. So, traitor. <laughs> anyway, um, technically, I mean, she's a graduate, so she'd be there first, actually. So I guess I can't really fault yep, her. Fifth right year now. there, all at Quinnipiac. Mm-hmm. So um, we've got a couple of questions here um, as we wrap up. Only a couple. Um. Any Milwaukee recommendations for the quick trip holiday face-off? Um, Milwaukee is obviously a really interesting town. Um, it is the only major U.S. city to elect three socialist mayors. And um, and what does it what does it mean? Uh, Indian name. And what does it translate? It's Algonquin for the good land. 
So it's just kind of interesting little tidbits about Milwaukee that I know from uh, Mr. Cooper, Mr. Alice Cooper. So um, as far as anything, I'm actually uh, surprised with how Dan Jacobson is and how the season has gone for Minnesota Duluth, that he is going to still travel to Milwaukee, but good for him. Way to, way to stick it out and stick out this, uh, this uh, Duluth team. And as someone who's other than the states that I've lived in, I've spent the most time in Wisconsin. Very little experience with Milwaukee. I, I, I'm trying to even think. I don't know if I've even spent a night there. I have way more experience with Green Bay, way more experience with Madison, um, way more experience with like Door County even. And then like Northwest Wisconsin, my family has a cabin there. So I spent loads I of think time. Everybody there. in Minnesota has a family member that has a cabin somewhere in either North or Northwest Wisconsin. I think it's just a rule. Webster, Wisconsin. <laughs> I know that place like the back of my hand. So, but yeah, as far as Milwaukee goes, I got I think I think I went through there and got lunch somewhere, but I couldn't tell you where and I don't really have much recollection of it. Do you have any Milwaukee uh wrecks? Is that is, I mean, uh, it's where the Brewers play. Right? That's correct. They're the Milwaukee Brewers. So, so I think that's I think that's So fair. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. So I imagine there's a lot of breweries around the area. I so wonder. I I would say, I maybe, one but that. maybe that's not Miller. Maybe Lent. that's one of those ones where it's like the LA Lakers. Like they don't really have any lakes uh. there, but that was just the old team. So I think the Milwaukee Brewers used to be the Memphis Brewers before they moved there. So maybe it's just that Memphis. Maybe he, oh. if he goes to Milwaukee, maybe he wants to check out some Memphis breweries in Memphis, Tennessee. So it could be one of those okay. things. Hey. I just Googled there is a lakefront brewery. Well, every every little dinky town has a brewery now. Wait a minute. So it would be. They're getting on a trend. Lake lakefront brewery and it's on a river. It's not even on the lake. It's Wisconsin. We've got we've got a grade on a curve here. Um, Geography (laughs) is not their strong suit. It's fresh water, whatever. (laughs) Doesn't matter. Um, so yes, that would be my recommendation. Go to a brewery. That's always a good recommendation, no matter what. So, um, <laughs> and then, uh, Chester Bemidji must hit spots. Um, I would say tunas, um, but that goes back to the old podcast when I told the story about, <laughs> um, when apparently I was made light of the fact that there is a adult entertainment dancing foray in Bibichi and it's called <laughs> tunas, which I think is just, I, I don't know if it's still open, but Chester, I don't know if you can talk to the wife about hitting that up, but I don't give it a shot. I don't remember that when he brought that up. <laughs> give That's me, good. give me a report on that. So, um, also, Bernovic and Thorson hype, uh, two of the top eight scorers in the USHL. Um, yeah, Austin Bernovic uh, was on the under 18 team um, and is playing for Madison. And I think he's leading the league right now or, um, you know, he's up there in, in, in points. And then um, Gavin Thorson, obviously, he's from Andover, made a big name um, when he was um really in a two horse race for Mr. Hockey. Um, when I think what Shaughnessy won it, um, 
who is a Minnesota Duluth like Shogaday or something. Um, Shogaday? Sean, Sean, not going to play for the Huskies, so I don't really care. Um, and I think you're, you're confusing him it's... with Maple Shaughnessy, who's uh, Boise State's top scorer. So. Oh, that's right. Uh, Maple. So. Um, but it's the. So, yeah, I mean, that's where, you know, I was kind of lack, you know, at the beginning of the year, I was like, you know, Bernovic and Thorson, them coming. That's going to be, you know, this is might kind of be, you know, as far as the freshman goes and, and now seeing our freshmen kind of really expand and really play bigger minutes, bigger roles. Um, it just gets me even more hype for, for Bernovic and Thorson to kind of come in. Uh, Thorson has signed as, um, NLI, uh, so he's um, he's a firm commit. Bernovic has not, so so that's uh, that's something that obviously with recent history makes me a little bit Let's nervous. Get that but, pen uh, I, I on think, the paper. Yeah. So, but um, it can always back out after they sign that, though. Too, it's it's just a piece of paper, right? Yeah. And I mean, people lose commits all the time. Um, so blue blood programs, quote unquote, um, you know, they lose commits too um, that they flip. So, I mean, it's not, you know, it's, it, it, it happens, but um, those are two high profile, high scoring potential uh, players that I really want to see in um seeing the Cardinal black and really looking forward to. So yeah, my hype meter is off the charts. It was already pretty high with Orson. Uh, obviously for what I've seen him, you know, do in, in, um, in the uh, Minnesota state high school league, but you know, seeing Bernovic so far this season, um, putting up the, the points that he has, um, I'm chomping at the bit to get him here. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think we mentioned Bernovic over the off season as far as possible, you know, freshmen, when we were trying to uh, sort all that out, uh, incoming freshmen. And yeah, it didn't really light up the USHL with the uh, under 18 team, the national team last year. But yeah, as we're seeing, it's he's breaking through this year. <laughs> and yeah, as, as you mentioned, St. Cloud, our sort of, I don't know, insecurity, mine at least, I'm not going to speak for anybody else, but almost having too good of a year it's just like i now i'm i'm worried that the vultures will be coming out and scooping them up uh we've seen (laughs) it's almost to the point where you know we saw denver freak out and bring in this ushl goaltender in the middle of the year can we do that with bernovic like just so no one else plucks him (laughs) um in this off season we can find some ice ice time for him that power play, power play Burning could use here. some, uh, some, some juice. Power play could use a, so, a lot. Of, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Bring them, bring them aboard. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I just hope that that's, that one's not going to get away. Uh, same with Thorson too. I mean, but looking too with Bernovic, I mean, he's got like a pro build six, four. Uh, I mean, the kinds yeah. of numbers he's putting up this year with, with Madison in the USHL or, uh, they're, head turning and it's to say nothing about uh, Thorson, but you know, a little bit more undersized uh, and five, eight with like Thorson too. I don't know. Like we're thinking about like comparison players. It's, it's hard because I mean, I've actually watched Thorson with the, the uh, state tournament 
you know, just a couple of games here and there, but still it's, it's more than I've seen of Bernovic, who I believe played at Tino Grace, but I don't have any recollection of, him, mm-hmm. of, of watching him there. Um, because I don't think they made the, the, the state tournament the years that, um, that he would have been eligible to play. But so, I mean, with Thorson, I, just, I do have that experience of watching him in action. And I don't know, like what the comparison with him would be, because he I mean, he was a very hyped high school player with then a prolific junior, at least so far this year. I mean, he's what 27 points in 22 games something like that among the USHL leaders in scoring. It's it's almost like I mean Joey Bennett played BCHL, not USHL, but it's it sort of like brings that name to mind a little bit. Where I mean he was he was obviously and he I mean he had a huge high school career, but it wasn't at like a huge program. He was at St. Francis uh, versus um, Thorson that at Andover. I mean we can go back to Ryan. I was thinking paling more so with Bernovic, but just based on like the size and sort of like the physical, oh, the oh, physical size. aspect okay. with, Ber- and I actually think Benick is, was, was bigger than, or it still is. Benick still is, is living as far <laughs> as I know. Uh, <laughs> he's a little bit bigger, even though I, like I, when I was looking it up, like uh, Benick clocked in at five ten, and there's still, there's still room for, for Thorson to, to gain some size. I mean, guys go through, uh, you know, late growth spurt, it's, it's possible, but I think that the, um, the, the physical and the, just the skill set and the stat line kind of seems familiar to, to Benick. Whereas, yeah, I was thinking like Ryan Paling for, for Bernovic, but uh, we'll see how it plays out. It's just, it's nice to know that the recruiting hasn't let up, um, really since, uh, Larson's took over the job. And yeah, even this year with it, a different mix of type of players. I don't think any of these players they brought in this year have the high of a ceiling that either Thorson or Bernovic has. But, uh, but as we're seeing, we mentioned before, like they've been contributing in their own, in their own ways as well. So even in what you were thinking might've been not, not as, not as flashy of a freshman class, it's still producing. It'd be really kind of interesting Mm -hmm. to see if this, this year's freshman core, as they grow older, how they play supplemented with more star power, uh, potentially with these two players that we're mentioning. So it's uh, really nice to to think about the future. Both men's and the women's side seems to be in real good hands. Yeah. And uh, just crossing my fingers, knocking on wood. Let's get that NLI signed, Austin. Uh, get the job done uh, because I don't want another Gruba situation. So uh, maybe maybe just uh, slow down the offense uh, at Madison, go into a little bit of a slump, <laughs> and then um, bobble back off. Go into a so. slump because because still don't want like a promising six four. Oh no, yeah, <laughs> Big Ten guys will be uh, a little skittish after yeah. that. All right, exactly. So, uh, well, that about does it on this little you know two hour pod. Um, like I said, we'll work on getting some uh, world junior talk as, uh, David Carl and, um, uh, Brett Larson, uh, prepare for, for the, uh, world juniors. Um, so we'll get some information, um, from Jake Baskin on that. So uh, that'll be a good podcast to tune into and get his takes, um, as, as well as, uh, what he thinks about all the roster, um, shakeups. So, 
Uh, any last words there, uh, Andrew? Not much. I was going to ask you what you're going to watch this weekend because we've got a real light schedule. Um, and not, not the best of pickings. Uh, but I will probably be watching RPI versus Mankato because I got nothing else to watch, really. That's like the only thing I can watch with my streaming services that they currently have. I got to watch Long Island and Vermont because um, they play Long Island games on ESPN+. Plus. Do any of those options sound uh, appealing to you? Uh, no, <laughs> not even in the slightest. You can check out that Mankato uh, game. Augustana Maybe Mankato can beat Alaska. RPI, and then that would help St. Cloud's pairwise, um, like very nominally. But usually with these like holiday we weekends, got, we got uh, some like one intriguing matchup, but no, we literally got nothing. So uh, I'll probably will be watching that because I got nothing else to do. Um, but um, yeah. Uh, I don't expect uh, there to be a ton of compelling action this weekend. We can, we can, uh, we can scout the Bowling Green versus Bemidji. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you can so, if you want to buy your uh, uh, your month of Flow Sports, buy your subscription to uh, Flow before the Bemidji series. You can scope them out this weekend against uh, Bowling Green because I'm sure you would have been impressed by their six to one home loss to the hands of Lake state uh, Saturday. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't blame you if you don't I'll put it that way. But yeah, that means that we'll have a lot to go over with Jake Baskin uh, next weekend. And yep. uh, yeah, we're getting into world junior season. I'm, I'm excited for it. Perfect. So, uh, for Weldy at More Clappers, M O A R, More Clappers, Andrew, you could uh, send him an email. Yep, at Huskies Hockey Podcast at gmail.com. Or I'm also the, over there on the green ground at Andrew on greenground.net. Anything, oh. anything sprouted over on green ground yet? The, the seeds are still being um, sown. Um, and okay. I've got some, um, they've got some invite codes. Um, so, um, it's, I haven't posted yet. They, they, they call them, they call them leaflets. Yep. I haven't, I haven't plant, I haven't planted yet, but, um, we call them plants. Planted your leaflets. Uh, that's what posts are. They're okay. plants. Um, so I haven't planted yet, but I, I'm planning to, um, if you want to join me over the green ground, greenground.net slash Andrew. All right. Perfect. <laughs> Until next time. Go Huskies. Woo. Woo.